I will try to apocalypse less in the future. Yes, Matt, I hope you bury the body. I'm the 46th best shovel player in the world. Well, I'm in Tennessee at the moment, and the liquor store has an astonishing bourbon selection. Well, I'm editing this, so I can guarantee 100% Kubernetes free conversation. What's interesting about that um, is almost nothing. It's time for Arrested DevOps, the podcast where we help you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. I'm Joe Lehe. Co-hosting with me today is... Matt Stratton. Trevor Hess. Bridget Crumhout. Jeff Smith. That's the good character. Well, if it's that time on the calendar and all of us are gathered together and you can actually hear my voice, that must mean it's time for the year-end wrap-up episode. Uh, We've got a lot to get to, but first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by CircleCI. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit ArrestedDevOps.com slash CircleCI to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their CI-CD pipelines. The worst thing about the Arrested DevOps podcast is when it ends. You're left wondering what to do next. What are you going to listen to on your commute home? How do you occupy your time when walking the dog? What are you going to listen to during the quarterly all-hands meeting? But fear not, dear listener, there is a solution. You need to subscribe to Software Defined Talk right now. It's a weekly podcast that recaps all the news in cloud computing, DevOps, and enterprise software. The hosts, Kote, Matt Ray, and Brandon Wichard, will keep you up to date on all things cloud while offering tips on how to optimize your Costco haul and how to PowerPoint. It's a fun, free-flowing conversation that will keep you entertained and informed. What are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast today by visiting softwaredefinedtalk.com or by searching for Software Defined Talk in your favorite podcast app. All right, so we have uh, a full house here today to uh, discuss the uh, discuss the uh, the still ongoing trash fire that is 2020, uh, the most 2020 of years. Um, <laughs> so let's hop right into our agenda. So, Such as it is. Joe said we have a lot to get to. I, I debate that statement. We're gonna need we're gonna need this episode saved at the end for for the <laughs> unveiling of our new of our new nineties era sci-fi TV show uh, podcast. Our pivot. Uh, last I checked, there was a, there was that show that was about nothing that filled how many seasons? Oh yeah. How many seasons did Seinfeld? Seinfeld I thought was seven. Seasons, no, I it's think. like nine. Was I've it? just been rewatching like it on Hulu. Yeah. It's a lot. It's like yeah. We're already you can fit a lot into an episode about nothing. More yeah. than six. Never seasons watched in a week. 
Can we have six seasons in a movie? Is this season six of Arrested DevOps? Um, I'm always bad at get. Okay, so fundamentally, let's put it this way: I'm gonna have to count on my fingers. Um, but there was <laughs> 2014, 2013, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. This is the seventh season of Arrested DevOps. See, there you go. So wow. this is just about the time where Duchovny decides he doesn't want anything to do with this show anymore. <laughs> just have me have me get abducted. If you had to whirl to skipping ahead to the the 90s sci-fi TV show talk. Right, yeah. We're 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 deep into season nine in our X-Files rewatching. Oh god. At this point, <clears throat> I just work on a puzzle, like um like an actual jigsaw puzzle made of cardboard while he watches X-Files. But we don't have an Arrested DevOps movie yet, though. So No. 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 So if we were going yes. to create a composite movie of our favorite episodes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Segue. Nice. Okay. So. Of all time or, or of the past I think year? We're ta- I think we're talking about the, about the year of our apocalypse 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Matt, talk to us about some of your favorite episodes from this year. I had two that I really liked for different reasons. So one was I did an episode earlier in the year about the deserted island DevOps virtual event that took place on April 1st. And no, it wasn't a joke, even though that was kind of no, it took place later. I think it was announced on April 1st. And the reason I I really like this one is twofold. Um, One is Bridget continually told me she thought I was going to have way too many people on an episode and was going to be a complete trash fire. And I'm happy to report that it was not a complete trash fire. Uh, we actually, uh-huh. but it required a lot more orchestration than the average episode. But I really liked it because I think at the time I thought it was one of the best produced virtual events. And that was new in the year of, you know, the that Desert it was. Island DevOps conference, right? Not your episode. Not our episode. Our episode was not the best produced virtual event. Although compared to a lot of the virtual events that have been produced, that episode might still be ranking higher <laughs> than some other ones I can think of. But even looking back today, I'm like, there was a lot that people could have learned from that event. And as evidenced throughout the conference calendar of this year, people did not. But it was, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting insight about how it, uh, how it worked. And we had a lot of great, you know, I said it was with a cast of thousands. It was really, it might have been our largest ADO episode uh, ever, if you don't count the audience at DevOps Days, conferences, uh, events, or episodes we do live. There were quite I, a few speakers on that one. I, I recall. I recall editing that one. That was yeah. Um, it was not trivial. Uh, and the, actually, our transcription did a fairly good job. It only confused me <laughs> and Austin once or twice. So I was pretty impressed that the transcribers. And we're actually going to talk about transcri- transcription a little bit later. And the other one is an episode I recorded just recently. I think it might have been our might have been our most recent episode. I can't keep track, but it was an episode I did with Tim Banks. And it's called Breaking Down Gates. And it was, we started talking about one thing and we ended up talking about something else. And I think what we ended up talking about was a lot better than our original one. We were just going to kind of talk about OPSI things. And we really got into a conversation just, again, about the gates, especially that are for um, underrepresented folks in tech and just some very actionable, tactical things that people need to do. And we also talked about Chile a lot. And Tim has strong. Do you mean chili the food or the country? The food. Okay. So, uh, so, so I thought that was really good. You want to check that one out if you haven't heard it. It's a recent episode. And Tim also has the most mellifluous 
soothing radio style voice you'll ever hear. So it's worth listening to just for the mellow tones of Tim Banks. So wait, what you're saying is we have to get Tim Banks and Michael Cote on a podcast together. That would be too much for anybody to handle, I think. <laughs> it would be Don't too listen smooth. to this episode while driving. It would be so smooth <laughs> that everybody would just slide off their chair <laughs> into a puddle on the floor. Okay, Trevor, how about you? Favorite episodes? Um, I'm going to have to go with the, the one episode, my traditional one episode of the year. <laughs> um, not including this one. Uh, which was the DevOps Day 20, uh, Chicago 2020 review, the, 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 the magic behind the musical, um, <clears throat> uh, which was a lot of fun. I mean, and the, the event in and of itself for me was a, like, it was a really good opportunity to open my eyes and realize how far I've shoved my head in the sand over the past two years. Uh, and, uh, you know, time to, uh, time to figure some things out. That's the Kubernetes. There's a lot of con, like kind of subjects no. dripping from your words there, Trevor. <laughs> There's no context there at all. <laughs> How many minutes did it take us to get to Kubernetes? Meantime to Kubernetes. If this makes it into the if this makes it into the cut. What are you saying? Only Joe can save us from Kubernetes. That's right. I I I pledge 100 percent Kubernetes free content. Hope. <laughs> it's Christmas. So can wait, I at least have, about, can can we, I have we just one day Kubernetes where we don't instead? talk about Kubernetes. <laughs> I almost made Jessica do a spit take. This There's is now time. this is now my my new goal for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's likely to happen with this weird orange bourbon. Oh, Why orange is it bourbon? orange? Well, I'm in Tennessee at the moment, and the liquor store has an astonishing bourbon selection. That sounds about right. I'm I'm into peanut butter bourbon lately. Interesting. It's bizarre or peanut butter whiskey, I guess. It's bizarrely good. What is peanut butter whiskey? Like it's what? whiskey. It's so you know, like Fireball, the cinnamon whiskey. Yeah. And that's like for its price, it just does not suck nearly as much as you expect it to. Also, you expect the cinnamon thing to suck, and it kind of doesn't. The peanut butter whiskey is like that. So it's I like a peanut butter infusion in college. I'm very interested by this. Yeah. I'm and gonna have and, to do and some... it's great because I'm not going to drink too much of it. Because it's sticky because it's peanut butter. Like, you you know, your mouth would get stuck together, right? <laughs> Is that not how it works? <laughs> now I'm uncomfortable. So good things about 2020. I discovered peanut butter whiskey and now this weird blood orange whiskey. Why don't you talk to us about your favorite episode from this year? Oh, and I discovered... Um, that Netflix is hiring remotely now, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I, I learned that when I talked to Aaron Blahowiak. And we talked about some of Netflix's um, philosophies around, for instance, letting developers start up however many AWS containers and services that they want to. And that episode is called Don't Worry, Do Care. Uh, because you know, don't worry about what it costs if this is like worth it, but care how much it costs. Um, and they enable developers to care by like giving them reports and, and nudging them. Hey, uh, you might want to look at this graph kind of thing. But there's a, there's humans in the loop there too. It's not just automation. Um, but that, that was a fun conversation. 
How about you, uh, Bridget? What episode? What episodes did you enjoy from this year? I mean, I, I did a few episodes this year. They were all good. Some stuff about Helms, some stuff about Service Mesh, some stuff about Kubernetes. Actually, that might have been in late last year. Um, but cut. But, it's all. It's all. It's all cut. It. He's gonna bleep it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll bleep you it out. You cannot bleep. I, I will bleep it. No, out. no, that, that is that is some deep cut that Arrested DevOps. Well. Yes, yes, we it's don't. Just gonna sound well. like. Yeah. yeah, we used to do what? that, and then I got in trouble, so we don't do that anymore. No bleeping me. <laughs> to bleep out Kubernetes, and you got in trouble. What, what I will tell you is, um, I had a really fun episode where we talked about tea and anarchy with Alice Golfus and Ian Coldwater, and that was a. I like when it's possible to bring together people from. Um, overlapping, intersecting, yet disparate points of view and have them talk to each other. I think that's one of the most fun things about podcasting. So that'd be my answer. Uh, how about you, Jeff? You know, I, I think for me, I, I got to go with Trevor, uh, the DevOps Day Chicago 2021. And, and I think the big thing about it was, and, and you know, this is, this is going to sound self-serving on Arrested DevOps, but hear me out, right? Like the I felt like the uh, DevOps Days 2020 event was the best virtual event that I have attended. And I felt like, you know, that is the live shows. There's like such a central part of that. It's just part of the, I don't know, tradition. So to have that continue on, given the circumstances for me, I don't know, it just it sort of hit me all in the feels. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at, but I am, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm really interested in listening to the Tim Banks episode. Um, I've never met Tim, you know, I've followed him from afar. He just seems like a uh, really warm, genuine, like open person. And, uh, I had a feeling your conversation, Matt was probably going to like diverge a bit and to get into something. So I'm happy to hear that that's what happened. Uh, so I am looking forward to, to listening to that episode soon. We, we we got our money's worth out of the explicit tag on that episode, and none of it was gratuitous. They were all required. <laughs> so it's uh, the well, and actually, okay, we might as well because again, we're being self indulgent. There was there was a little bit of a debate, and I don't mean debate because nobody agreed, but I was wondering because I was I was putting that together, and I knew what I wanted to put for the cold open of that episode, but it included some profanity, and I was like, I didn't know how I felt about that. Because I'm like, it's the very first thing you hear when you start it, if you're not expecting it. And Joe actually pointed out that, number one, we have had profanity in the cold open. And in fact, that's a good way to ensure your comment makes it into the cold open is to use profanity. So now we know. You know, I, I, I have been watching in 2020 as I've, as I've been getting back into some hobbies that I've forgotten. I've been watching a lot of Adam Savage's Tested, and he has a wonderful quote about swearing that I I like. And that is, it's really fucking cool when adults swear, but it's gross when kids swear. (laughs) I I almost thought about something, but then I realized it's not true, but I'm going to say it anyway, is I was starting to listen as we were listing our favorite episodes. And, but they were all, because now, you know, we've kind of very distributed with who does the episodes. And I was going to ask the other hosts, does anybody does anybody listen to the episodes they're not on? And I was about to say the only person on this show who's probably heard every episode this this year is Joe. But even that might not be true because Joe didn't edit all of them. Like there were no this uh, this this one this one this one where you argue about chili. I I was not involved in because I probably would have had opinions. <laughs> I, I actually did listen to the Tim Banks one, and I feel like I don't always listen to every episode just because 
turns out when you're not on planes, you have significantly less podcast listening time. I see Jeff nodding like, this is also occurring to you. No commute, no podcast listening. More significantly true. Well, myself listening to more podcasts in the, in the apocalypse than, uh, than I, than I did focus on anything. Right. 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 It's like, you can do that if that's your entertainment, but there's no task where it can be in the background really. Mm-hmm. I found I've been more aware of other people's episodes since we started doing the um, transcription because I have to like put the transcript. I, I don't do the transcribing, by the way, just so we're clear. Then I would absolutely be very kind. But I, you know, we'll go and I'll run it through our transcription service and then update the show notes. And then once it's there, I, I even if I haven't listened to the episode, I'll usually probably do a quick one to see if I notice anything really blatant, which I probably won't because I didn't listen to the episode, but you know, something where I'm like, that sure doesn't look like something Bridget would say that was probably someone else. Uh, but this is the one thing I will say about transcription. Cause I was talking to somebody about like, well, why do you, would you transcribe? And you know, obviously the, the, the clear answer is for accessibility, but I think it's also helpful because it's another medium for the show. And sometimes people don't want to listen, but they want to read. And I will tell you the very, because again, traditionally the year end wrap up show is when we're self-indulgent, the self-indulgent thing about why I like it when I'm on, when I'm on a podcast that has transcriptions is it's really easy for me to go look through the transcription and see what I said. Right. You know, cause I'm just curious. Cause it's like, you don't really know. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to listen to this whole thing. Okay. But I can kind of span through, and also my latest one is that I look at the transcriptions of Corey Quinn's podcast to see if he's talking about me. And sometimes he is. You need to set your Google alerts to tell you about mentions of you specifically in his podcast. I need to, yes, I need to do that one or else I'm getting the other Matt Stratton's that are like in banking or baseball players or whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> well, some this would is sign nice... up for Taco Bell accounts under my email address. So that's what happened yesterday. Anyway. Yeah. Well, this is a nice segue into talking about everybody's favorite topic, podcast statistics. So uh, take it away, Matt. Yeah. Tell us all about the numbers. We've gotten better about this over the years because I used to like get really specific and talk about page views and stuff and nobody gives a shit. I mean, even when nobody gave a shit, I still said it. But now more importantly, it's not so much that nobody gives a shit, it's that I don't. So therefore, I don't bring it up. But I always do think it's kind of interesting to look at uh, the episodes that get the most traffic. And again, as I'm fond of saying, there are three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and podcast listening statistics, which is why I don't <laughs> say numbers because the numbers don't matter, but I think relative to each other. And so anyway, our, as of like last week, when I, when I pulled the stats, the most listened to episode this year by a relatively large margin, because last year when I did this, the number one, two, and three were all within of like 1% of each other. There was a much larger margin. Anyway, the uh, number one listened to episode in 2020 was Deserted Island DevOps. So, which doesn't surprise me because virtual conferences and talking about them, I don't know if you're on this thing called Twitter, but that's all anybody ever wants to fucking talk about these days. And I'm tired of it, but we're going to (laughs) talk about it on the episode a bunch, I bet. Um, Yes. But... So number two, which I think is exciting, and we haven't really touched on the the reason I think it's exciting, was an episode called We're Always Learning, which featured Patrick Dubois. But most importantly, 
Sorry, Patrick, when I say most importantly, <laughs> was the premiere episode of our new co-host, Jeff Smith, who we haven't really acknowledged that Jeff has joined the show on this episode yet, except that Jeff is talking. So anyway, I'm talking Jeff joined us this year. So well, this, this episode, this episode is just for the super fans, and they already know. That's true. They do already know. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also and know I wrote three, the coattails of Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, that's that's uh, trust me, I can tell you all the people I've been coattailing for my career. <laughs> Uh, and our our honorable mention for number three was an episode I did early in the year about communities with uh, Jono Bacon, which uh, was was really good. I really liked Jonah's book, and it was it was fun, but it doesn't really connect as personally to having be like our first show of a new co-host. So sorry, Jono. But anyway, that was number three. And uh, but the thing that I think is interesting, without going into the details about statistics, is that. Are we're conti- number one? I find it interesting that you know our audience continues to grow. You know, it's not hockey stick growth, but year over year, when I look at what our average listens are, they're always going up, which means more people are finding the show, more people are at least downloading it. By the way, that's the trick. Um, all we can tell from the for the majority of our statistics is that the episode was downloaded, not that you listened to it. Um, so if anybody wants to know my very scientific way of figuring out, uh, two numbers as in how many listens there really were and how many subscribers we have, I take, so this is very scientific. And the funny thing is I've said this enough that I know lots of podcasters that use this technique because they think it's legitimate. I take our, our number of downloads and I cut it in half and that's the number I use <laughs> because 50%, that seems like a conservative number. Um, But what I also do when I think about our subscribers is I look at how many downloads an episode gets within 24 hours of it being published, because you may not know this, but if you have your handy little podcast app on your device, when there's a new episode of Arrested DevOps, the app downloads it to your phone, whether you listen to it or not. So when I look at how many many downloads we get almost right away, I'm like, that's probably a fair guess of how many subscribers. And that number also continues to grow. So thanks for listening, everybody. And we're going to keep doing this because, I don't know, why not? <laughs> what else are we going to do? What else are we going to do? <laughs> Talk about 90s sci-fi? Right. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, we'll get, we're getting there. We'll we're getting get there. there. We'll get to there. Before yeah. we get there, I would really like to hear more from Jeff. I would, too. I'd like to know, sure. like, you know, Jeff, who are you? Why did you join the podcast? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so, hi, I'm Jeff. <laughs> um based out of Chicago. I joined the podcast just because like, uh, I, I love having these sorts of conversations. Uh, I find it almost impossible to say no to Matt. Uh, so when he <laughs> asks me anything, it, it's typically like, yes, Matt, I'll help you bury the body. Um, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that played Even if it's Patrick part. Dubois. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love Patrick, but if he's got to go, he's got to go. <laughs> There have been, not to interrupt you, but I just wanted to, to pile on to the Jeff can't say no to me thing, is there have been times, and Trevor knows this too, because it'll happen sometimes with DevOps days, where I'll be like, can somebody else ask Jeff? Because I've just asked Jeff for a lot of shit in the last couple of weeks, so it has to be somebody else. <laughs> this is 100% true. This is this has come up at least four times this year. Uh, Matt's the closer. You can just, just send him in. Like, just, just send him like, Matt, you got to do it, man. You can't say yeah. no. Uh, Jeff, but yeah, I'll I just love having these sorts of conversations. I don't know if you know this, probably don't, but you were my last hug before the pandemic started. At C2E2. Yep. Yep. 
I remember that. I think that might have been my last one too. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, outside of household. Nice. I yeah, hope I hope you both household. have Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Outside <laughs> of household. You know, and it was sort of ominous too, because my friend was like, Who who was that? You kinda Held him a little bit longer. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's your cold open. something weird going on. I don't know. That's <laughs> Trevor. And I don't know. We usually don't hug that long. But I don't know. There was something special this moment. Right? Aww. How'd that gaming table turn out? It came turned out great, except for it got delivered a day after the pandemic started. So, so I it's, it sits it. unused. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I, That's I, how I, all my minis feel. Yeah, I joined a Kickstarter for like this gaming table, uh, you know, city living. So you got to have, you know, multiple ways like, to do things. Like, so wait, wait, wait. Gaming like board games? So like D&D board games. Okay. So it's a game topper, right? So the idea is you can have some cheap plastic tables, but then you put this giant game topper on top of it and it's nice and weighted. So you've got plenty of space to play these massive board Does games. Does it have like railings so your dice It has roll. railings. Yes, <sighs> absolutely. And Does it have covers? Does it have covers to prevent yes. the pets from attacking? Oh. You, you can have uh, different mats that uh, scroll out on it. So it was okay, great. well, when so, the pandemic's over, I want to come to your house. I'm, so, I'm totally, I was going to say, I'm we also need a link to this to put in the show notes, Matt. probably, if I assume so, you can still buy it. Did, yeah, any, yeah. did anybody watch the YouTube show Tabletop? Yes. I did. With yeah. Bill Wheaton? Yeah, the, the, uh, the, all-star, the all-star celebrity poker, but for board games. Uh, that yes. was back when back when YouTube was throwing a bunch of money around to content creators. They threw a bunch of money at Geek and Sundry, and they produced a show called Tabletop. Yep. And Will Wheaton got his like his only sort of funny friends to come over, <laughs> and they would play they would play a board game, sort of all star celebrity poker style. And they had an awesome like game and table. table. My my favorite tabletop episode memory was when they and they may have done this more than once so i wasn't like a super fan so you can check me if you're like no they played ticket to ride at least three times but at least one of the times when they were doing ticket to ride so at the very end and they're you know totaling up all the scores and counting the roots and everything and ann wheaton so will wheaton's wife is like talking to somebody and she's very animated and she slams her hand down on the table and all the little train cars go flying (gasps) so they weren't able to actually (laughs) and of course they replay it in slow motion and everything but i think about that every single time i play ticket to ride which is not a small amount of times which means i think about tabletop a lot for the record Will Wheaton is in Star Trek The Next Generation, and that makes this a 90s era sci-fi reference. Hey! Oh, yeah, very, 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 very good. <laughs> but the, but the question confess. is, was was Will Wheaton primarily in 90s Star Trek The Next Generation or 80s Star Trek The Next Generation? Pretty sure he was out by the 90s. Oh, no, yeah. he, lasted, he lasted until, he lasted at least until the fourth or fifth season. I thought, I thought it was the third season. Oh, no, you're right, because he comes back a couple times. after the third season. He was there after the third season. So, yeah. He comes, he comes back in the in that uh, that episode where he's, like, a cadet, and they do the – they have that, like – They have, they that have not Tom Paris – Yeah, the, the not Tom <laughs> Paris, because they didn't want to pay the – they didn't want to pay the writer of that episode. Is that what happened? Yeah. They were going – they were going to – they were going to make – the uh, Tom Paris character in Voyager, that character from that episode of Next Gen, but then they would have had to give the give the author of that episode uh, uh, royalties for that episode. So they made him not they made him 
Tom Paris as opposed to that other that other yeah. whatever his character name was in that in that episode, oh, I which I can't remember, remember, which I can't remember. One. But I think what's darker is that he doesn't get royalties anyways. Don't forget yeah. that your podcast app probably has a 30 second skip feature. <laughs> Listen, I can I go deeper on this tough subject in particular. They were both they were both the same character. What they were both like rogue shuttlecraft pilots that were like getting in all kinds of trouble with Starfleet. I'm gonna stop myself because yeah. I can go even further. Yeah. <laughs> So, Trevor, in addition to rando episodes of, of Next Gen, what was 2020 like for you? I mean, I, I assume it was the same steaming pile as everybody else. Uh, but, you know, there's a few glints of hope in the steaming pile. Um, so this was my first year as a, a product manager, which has been a, oh. a incredible roller coaster of all over the place of this. Um, Though I do feel I do feel good about it, which is nice, um, despite some of the the head sandery aforementioned. <laughs> um, I've gotten a lot into streaming, but not the streaming that you might think. I'm not like on Twitch or doing whatever. I've been doing um, a, a friend of the show and uh, another DevOps Day Chicago organizer, uh, Kevin Reedy, and I uh, and our friend Teddy Waffles have been doing shuffleboard streaming. Uh, and watchy streaming. Uh, like, so we actually like have the a, physical game. Yeah, um, floor like, shuffleboard, not table shuffleboard. Like it's a shuffleboard you're imagining that's like on a cruise ship that like your grandparents mm. play. That's what and 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 our friend Kevin that he's talking about is like like uh, world ranked or something crazy like that, right? Isn't he like the hundredth best shuffleboard player in the world or something? No, 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 no. I'm. I'm the 46th best shuffle player in the world. He's the 16th. <laughs> Wait, the 47? Wow. Like, now, what like they're not telling you is there are what 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 they're not saying is yes, there there are like yeah, a hundred people in the entire world that play shuffleboard. So no, there's there's many many more than that. Um, but the uh, the the um, the world championship is invitational. It's not like it's not like ranked truly in any way. So it's you really are, you know somebody. There's a little bit of that to it. <laughs> I mean, we did we did also. I suppose that is another, that's actually another highlight of the year. We we founded the uh, we founded the Illinois Shuffleboard Association uh, this year. I am the treasurer of that because Kevin beat me in a shuffleboard game for the presidency. <laughs> but you control the money, so the joke's on him. Exactly. <laughs> you won the popular vote, so. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you guys remember Love Boat, the next generation. <laughs> That's all I can think about is Worf screaming like the week I have no place in Truffleboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, sorry. Also, uh, so if you want to check out that, if you're interested, there's a series called Shuffling Sandy on the Royal Palm, the Royal Palm Shuffleboard Club's uh, YouTube channel. There's also some stuff on our channel, Chef.io. Um also had a ton of fun doing the virtual conferencing stuff for DevOps Day Chicago. I got to learn how to do green screening things, which I had never, never thought I would do. Uh, but that was a blast as well as getting all the other things going. And probably more important than any of the other things, and like the most serendipitous thing of the year, uh, January 1st, Jen and I got a puppy. Oh, uh, nice. Which turned out to be an amazing thing this year. <clears throat> yeah. does, your, does your dog have an Instagram? 
And if not, why not? She doesn't because you know how good I am with social media. Well, yeah. But I thought if anything, (laughs) maybe you at least would do it for the damn dog. I have posted pictures of the dog (laughs) to my Instagram. No, I didn't even know you had one. Okay. But if you had a dog one, I would follow it. That's all I'm trying to say. Because that is my main use of Instagram is to follow the accounts of my friend's dogs. Yes, there are, I, I follow many dogs myself. Um, but that's enough about me. Jessica, how about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. So 2020, very big year in transitionist things. Y'all talked about the last hug. That's pretty cool. I talk about the last conference at which uh, my partner, Avdi, and I gave the last keynote. It was the first one we did together. And this, uh, this was Code Beam on March 7th and 8th, which they almost canceled but didn't. And a lot of the international speakers had trouble getting home because the pandemic was just Ooh. beginning. Um, but it was, I'm so glad we got to do this. It was wonderful. Give a keynote together. It was hilarious. It was a big hit. It closed the conference. And uh, yeah, I got to like, you know, kind of finish my conference speaking career on a high note. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be conferences to speak at someday in the future, but virtual ones don't count in my opinion. That's a different, it's just different. It's not invalid, but it's not the same category. Uh, so it's been a lot of a- adjustment. I'm very extroverted, and this is not a good year for extroverts. But there's, Trevor, earlier you said something about being in a different rut. <laughs> it is, we all have to change to become someone who can live in this different world. And by this time, I kind of feel like I have changed a lot. And uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with being home. And there's other things to do. I do love workshops. So, oh, oh, and, and I cut my hair, finally cut it short and dyed the whole thing instead of just the front. And I started wearing makeup, which is because I'm like on Zoom all day. And now I'm looking at my face all day. And now I'm like, oh, wow, I actually like it when I wear makeup. <laughs> it's not for you. It's for me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and workshops. I think that's... That is the one thing I found that like gives me the kind of buzz I used to get for conferences um, because it's it's a group of people that get together uh, for a couple hours and talk about something interesting. And then a couple of days later, they talk about something interesting again. And I like that. I'm doing these. Um, sis- it, oh, wait, it's called Invitation to Systems Thinking. Uh, and it's me and Kent Beck teaching it. And that's been super fun. So that's I have been trying. I think, yeah, I remember like missing the one and then being like, I'm watching Jessica's Twitter for when the next one is open or whatever. Because there's two tickets left to the next one. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk. Because I will, I will say, like, <laughs> I, I, while it may be called introduction, this, this is, this goes back to a thing we used to say back when I was a swing dancer. We used to say that beginner dancers take intermediate classes, intermediate dancers take advanced classes, and advanced dancers take beginner classes. Ooh. And I, while I would never that call is myself definitely a, happening. Yeah, like I, I love things that go back to first principle, and like even if I think I know a thing, an intro, the cl- class that builds itself as intro is super fascinating to me. And that's why I want to take um, you and Ken's class. Yeah. So that's my 2020. Bridget, what's going on with you? 
So when we had this call um, at the end of 2019, I vividly recall saying that I plan to travel less and stay home a lot. I'm really sorry for causing the apocalypse. Um, Monkey's paw curls. <laughs> yeah, big time. Uh, so that was a slight error in judgment. Um, I will try to apocalypse less in the future. Uh, I will say I have been doing far fewer um, events, some virtual events. I have started enjoying the uh, the pre-record format for the uh, options it avails you of. I'll give a couple of examples. KubeCon EU, I, um, my, my uh, colleague, or, or sorry, my collaborator and I um, recorded the talk. Then we showed a draft of it to the rest of the project maintainers. The project maintainers gave us commentary and Joe edited it in, in the form of a pop-up video so that we had a little pop-up of commentary coming from um, the uh, you know, other project maintainers as we were talking about the intro to Helm. Uh, little bits of you know trivia and added things. Now, I'm going to jump in here and say <clears throat> the way this actually went <laughs> was, hey, this is a great video. I want to add commentary from the community. Can we do a pop-up video style? And he did. And he and found the noise. To which I... It went boop. Yeah. You, you, the, the, you have to, the sound effect <laughs> sells it. With, without oh, the, without the sound so effect, cool. it's just a bunch of shit on screen. If you get if you actually get a little a little bubble pop noise, sells it. <laughs> so have we, so we again, again made it back to nineties television? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um we didn't repeat that for the um <clears throat> the uh KubeCon North America version, but for the KubeCon in North America one, we completely ditched slides and did it just like this as a podcast style conversation. Uh and then I had Joe add the occasional um some links here and there. And you did a thing. How did you do that with the lower thirds to get our names to come in, fade in and out? Oh, that was just, see, this is the thing. These, these virtual events that she does basically just eventually become final cut projects for me. <laughs> so that so, part yeah. has been pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I just thought of. So I, I have, Everybody has opinions on pre-recorded versus live. And actually, Jess and I had a really long discussion uh, right around the time of Deserted Island DevOps. And I had been very, very pro pre-recorded. And then Jess kind of had me change my mind a little bit. But going back to what I have now gone back to my previous. And the reason I want to bring this up, because the I, I, I hesitate to say argument, but the, the thing that, that Jess pointed out, which I was like, that's a really good point, is if it's a live not versus pre-recorded, speakers can reference earlier talks. They can kind of jam on things. And what I've seen now, especially having now several many months of virtual events in this year is, you know, I don't know if he came up with it, but I always sort of attribute back to the, the you know, venerable John Allspot is he's the one who introduced me to the idea of work as imagined versus work as done. I think what Jess describes is a lot more work as imagined versus work as done, especially in the virtual space. And here's why. Um, in the real life conferences, where especially if it's a single track, which is also where you're generally only going to see this, we all have to sit in the room together most of the day. And you're actually kind of rude if you don't. In the virtual, people are even more likely to do the pop in, do their talk, peace out, now I'm done. And the one exception, I hate to always go back to it, 
And the only virtual conference where I've seen this connection was Deserted Island DevOps. And you want to know what was interesting about that? All the speakers sat in Zoom together all day long. It's my favorite virtual conference. Only one I actually attended this year. So that's sort of the, the reason I bring that up is while you're making your decisions and there are definitely advantages and disadvantages to both side. I feel like we over rotate on it. Now, if you want to have what Jess talks about, you can do it in a virtual conference, but you have to don't just expect it's going to happen because the talks were live. You oh, have yeah, to do it. Yeah. With I don't watch anybody else's live talks in a virtual yeah. conference, but I yeah. absolutely never did the pop in pop out thing yeah. in real conferences and every virtual conference I've spoken at. I'm like, well, okay, I did my talks, yeah. Though there's other things to consider there. Like, even if you want to watch a bunch of talks, your colleagues have scheduled you for a zillion meetings, and they don't think that you're at an event. I should I should be very clear that that's not supposed to be any kind of a judgment on people who do only do their talk because that goes back to a whole other virtual conference thing where it's much harder in the virtual world to get your teammates or your management to mm-hmm. say for you to just be like hey I'm going to go to DevOps Day Chicago today leave me alone all day they're like but isn't it virtual can't you do a call and we get that in real life but it's easier to block that time so the whole thing is again yeah. it's yeah. the the gist and I we're not going to do a whole episode about this. And I feel like I have this conversation on Twitter uh, every other week um, is that the biggest thing is do not try to make your virtual event the same implementation yeah. as your physical event. There are so many things that we do. In fact, the whole structure of the way events work are based around the immutable laws of physics, right? Around people in a space, and moving people in a space and so much of what, what folks are doing. And I'm, I will honestly, I will, you know, toot our own horn or whatever. Part of the reason that whatever success we had in Chicago being good was when we started, we said, everybody, I don't want to hear a damn word about technology. What are the outcomes? What do we want to make happen? And then we will figure out how to implement that. But but a lot of folks with their events go, well, we had this thing, so we need to have an expo booth because we always had no what's what's the point of it? And I, I said well, they keep on saying, a, how do we replicate the conference experience oh, online? You know what's coming oh. next? A virtual buffet line. I guarantee it. Watch it. In the next two months, someone will have a will say, like, well, people have good conversations waiting in line for food. We should replicate the virtual buffet line. It will come. Watch it. And will they give agreed. me food at the end? Will I, it I be from like, Taco Bell? Uh, yeah, I would sign up for that though. I would sign up for that Taco Bell virtual Taco Bell. <laughs> that could be magical. Uh, but you're right. Like, that could so actually be a fun fundraiser, right? <laughs> Man, I got ideas. But so many of the uh, the virtual conferences did suffer from the sort of like skeuomorphism, right? Where they were just like, you know, hey, we're going to take this real thing and then we're going to just transplant that to the digital world, and and it didn't work, and it didn't take into considerations like a lot of the challenges. Like I was just at a conference, and you know, they have a a virtual hallway and then you click for your virtual ballroom and, and, you know, like it works, but it, it doesn't take advantage of, of, you know, some of the new avenues that you can kind of explore. And I felt like I would be much more forgiving if a conference decided to take a chance, right? Like if they were like, we're going to try something crazy, it may not work. Right. But we're just going to take a stab at it and see what happens. Cause then you're like, all right, you know, it didn't work, but you know, next time we might catch lightning in a bottle. So totally agree, Matt. 
That's why I think everybody needs to look to, sorry, just real quick, to the smaller events for inspiration Mm. because the risk profile is less. And so much of the conversation on CN Twitter is all about KubeCon and reInvent and what are they doing? And I'm like, there's going to be no innovation there because the risk is too high. But you know what? Deserted Island DevOps was Austin fucking around, right? Sure, try wacky shit and see what happens. And we even did that with intentionality with Chicago. We're like, we could take a risk. So, but I think, and, and I've seen this in so much of the discourse around virtual events is they're all, look, no one is looking at the small events and that is where the innovation is happening because they can, because someone's job isn't on the line, because hundreds of thousands of sponsor dollars are not on the line. So you can try a thing, you know? So I'm like, yeah, don't go look at what KubeCon did. Go look and see what Austin did. And Austin, as in, I mean, Austin Parker, the deserted island DevOps guy, right? Look at <laughs> look at these smaller things. Look at what even what Patrick did with all uh, all the talks or whatever. Like it was experiments. That's where the innovation will be. All right. So just to put a capper on this uh, pre-record <clears throat> thing, I will say that um, Matt Farina and Matt Butcher and I recorded, I think, an hour and a half of footage that we that Joe edited down to a thirty-five minute KubeCon talk slot. And that actually worked pretty well. So that's something just in all of our considerations. Uh, yes, there were some tough cuts. There were some places where yeah, you had the, to say the, fir- the first, the first, I believe the first cut of that was about 55 minutes. It was like, okay, you're 20 minutes over. What do you want to cut out of this? Now you need to make that available as a director's cut. You know, oh, the extended yeah, version. that's probably not going to happen, but just that the idea that, when you have the opportunity to really hone your message, you can say, you know what? This fun anecdote about the airport is not 100% essential. We're going to cut that and we're just going to move things along. So, uh, and on that note, uh, Jeff, tell us about your 2020. Were you editing things in Final Cut? Were you uh, <laughs> spending all your time on the internet? Like everyone about else? a book? I was going to say, yeah. you got some big news, man. So don't don't be like, well, I bought a tabletop thing. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tell that us about um, I wanted to uh, uh, comment on uh, Bridget's last point, though, too. The other nice thing about recorded talks is like, you know, it, it, as we're trying to in- increase underrepresented folks participating, right? Like that is a huge barrier that gets lifted in the event of folks that are nervous or, you know, aren't comfortable speaking in front of crowds, like being able to pre-record that, edit it up and get it exactly how you want before you ship it out. Right. That's huge. And that could be the stepping stone that someone has before they say, all right, I'm ready for a live talk now. So um, I do agree that there's value there. Um, 2020 for me, I, when I talk about uh, 2020 in like public forums, I always have to start it with a disclaimer. Um, I know that, uh, Things are difficult for a lot of people. I have a friend that uh, has a saying that I absolutely love. I don't know if it's hers or if she borrowed it from somewhere, but it's like, we're all in the same storm. We're not all in the same boat, right? (laughs) Some of us have yachts (laughs) and we're just cutting through the waves. Others of us are in little dinghies and we're taking on a lot of water. So I want to say that I, I recognize that. But at the same time, you know, I'm trying to stay as upbeat as possible as I can about 2020. Um, so, uh, a few of the, you know, positive things that came out one, uh, as you alluded to, I finished my book, yay, operations, any patterns, DevOps solutions with Manning publishing. That was like a, a year and a half in the making. And, um, you know, it was, I think the best review that I got for the book was when my daughter and my son opened it and they saw their names in the dedications 
And it was just like me, our teacher aide and my wife both just sort of teared up a little bit, right? Because like, it's so important for me to have my kids see that they can like participate in this larger world, right? Like they don't have to be on the sidelines. And they're like, daddy, this is a book that you wrote. Daddy, our names are in it. Um, so that was, that was absolutely magical. Um, we did an RV trip in 2020, which was a lot of fun. We, uh, we said, you know what? COVID's kind of crazy, but if we rent an RV, we can be pretty safe. So we rented an RV and we uh, drove out to um, Mount Rushmore. Um, we, we were behind Trump by like three days. So it was an interesting trip. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, had a, uh, had a lot of good conversations there. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was a, it was a great experience. My kids still talk about it. My daughter was making a bunch of like uh, trailers about the trip, and we were posting them on Twitter. It was a, it was a lot of fun. She still talks about it. So we're we're planning a road trip for 2021 as well. So that was great. Another thing that I thought was great for me <clears throat> was again looking at it from a positive light. These sort of like large economic downturns that happen really happen like once a decade. And this was related specifically to like, you know, a mass global event. But when you think about it from the perspective of operating in that sort of environment, there's there's not a lot of ways that you sort of create that opportunity. Right. <laughs> like like, you know, fate sort of has to create that. So, um, you know, managing a team through this sort of uh, uh, downturn. Um, you know, keeping the team together, trying to keep the team focused, adopting new ways of work, um, you know, relatively quickly, right? We basically had to turn the entire company virtual in a matter of days. Um, you know, those, those are things that, that are, are, are big events that, you know, you just don't really necessarily get to switch companies and create. Uh, so, you know, taking a lot of learnings from the whole pandemic, the whole like quick shift, um, I thought was was pretty interesting and eye opening. And I say that from a position of privilege where I'm not worried about a job or, you know, worried about uh, getting sick. I can have my groceries delivered. So I recognize that uh, I'm, I'm you know, blessed in that perspective. Um, but, you know, from my point of view, that was um, that was an interesting thing about 2020. But, um, you know, just got to just got to try to stay positive. It's it's, you know, um, I guess the alternative was we could be asked to go to war. So the alternative of staying home and watching Netflix sounds pretty good to me. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie, what's, right, what's, so, what's going on with 2020 for you? Yeah. So uh, I was thinking kind of like just said with um, her last conference, my last one was pretty much right around the same date. I don't remember. It was definitely within a few days and it was DevOps Days New York. Um, which was the last in-person DevOps days of the year, if I recall correctly. Also, one of those that, you know, we look back in retrospect and you're like, wow, did we get lucky that that wasn't, that nobody spread any, you know, because remember it was in like in retrospect, it's really adorable. It was all like, make sure you wash your hands. Let's elbow bump. And now you're like, wow, like that even, it freaks me out to think about um, nothing against the organizer. Like we all, you know, where it was. Um, but there are so many people that I saw at that event that do fall into that. That was my last time. That was the last person, the last people that I, that I, that I saw. Um, but also very shortly after that, so I got a new job. So I started, so I left page duty and now I work at Red Hat, uh, in our transformation office. And what's interesting about that, 
um, is almost nothing, but <laughs> is my focus is actually on the North American public sector. And I specifically <laughs> focus on state and local government agencies. So where that matters is it's a totally different, in some ways, a totally different kind of conversation than I've been having. And in so many ways, the exact same conversation uh, that I've been having. But I will tell you the funny thing in government is the uh, local government equivalent of we're not Netflix is we're not the Department of Defense. So everybody, no matter where you're at, somebody has an excuse as to why they can't change because the people you talk about are different than them. But in reality, everybody has the same problem. Um, I did talking uh, to the Department of Defense. What do they say? What do they say? They probably say they're not the uh, private sector would be my guess. Right. You know, they're (laughs) like, well, they actually do say we're not Netflix. Probably. I don't know. Uh, I don't talk to DOD, um, which is I, I was going to, but then they said they wanted me to do local, and I'm like, cool. Now I don't have to get a clearance, so that's that was helpful. It's funny too. I I was was in a group chat with some friends in Devrel, and we're talking about speaking this year, and I said, yeah, I feel like I I really didn't do a lot of speaking this year. I only gave like ten talks, and then that's also just relative, right? Like to a normal human, that's a lot, but to most of us on the call, that that seems like wow, yeah, you really pared it back. One of the other things that was fun that happened this year as a result of, you know, major contributing factor to doing it at all was pandemic was uh, my my friend Jeremy Mies and I started a little, maybe you could call it a mini virtual event. Maybe you call it a game show. It's called DevOps Party Games. And Joe has been on the show. Jess has been on the show. Jeff has been on a couple times. And it came out of, uh, as you may recall, in the early days of pandemic, a lot of Folks were just like, let's get on a Zoom and play some like games together. Let's play Jackbox together, you know, these games that normally you play around a TV with your device. And we realized, like, oh, you can put custom content in these. And so wouldn't it be fun to like make some like nerdy DevOpsy cloud tech content? And then then of course we're like, well, why wouldn't we stream it? And then now it's a thing that we do once a month. And boy, am I glad we decided not to do it every week like we thought we were going to at first. Uh, but yeah. DevOpsPartyGames.com. In fact, actually, next year, starting in January, we're going to expand and we will have episodes that are also in more non-US time zone friendly times because it's been pointed out to me that 8 o'clock p.m. Chicago time is a really shitty time for people in Europe. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to launch a, a second league, if you will, next year. So you EMEA time zone friendly people. But yeah, check that out. Um, it's been super fun and I've learned a lot about production and streaming. And I, of course, over-engineered the entire thing, surprising <laughs> no one. And uh, the other thing is like kind of Bridget didn't really say a thing that happened to her this year, but it's a thing that, that was <laughs> special about Bridget's 2020 that affects me. And if you don't know this, and, and honestly, if you listen to the show, how do you not know this? Uh, for the last five years or so, you know, our friendly neighborhood uh, Kramhout here has been the global <laughs> chair of DevOps days around the world. And finally she was like, fuck this. This is no, too much. No, no, no. no. <laughs> what I said was Patrick did five years and I yes. did five years and perhaps <laughs> we can get Eva and Stratton to do some amount of time <clears throat> and bring their exciting vision for uh, DevOps days with virtual and hybrid events into the future. Cause Hey, over in Europe and here in our very own Midwest, we had people showing real leadership in this area. And I was like, this is the moment for me to pass the torch to the next generation of leaders who are doing the exciting new things. 
side note, Bridget and I are the same age. <laughs> I am definitely older than you, young man. I don't think so. Do you remember the 1970s? Because I actually remember that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. What, what, year were you, what year were you born, Matt? I was born in 1974. And so you're, oh. my, you're my age. Okay. So. Okay. So she was born in 1976. So oh, I well, there you in, go. I was born in so let's just let the record show that it's going <laughs> to the older generation. But I think Evo is like 19, so it's yeah. probably fine. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's actually yeah, it's it wait. Was, does Evo is Evo covered by that Joko lyric about how I still don't I still can't believe people can be born in the 90s? <laughs> no, no, no. I think it don't, yeah. <laughs> When you have coworkers who are born in the nineties and you're like, interesting. I still remember the spark station I had the year you were born. I was giving a training talk and I made a Skynet reference and everyone was like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? What? <clears throat> Skynet. It was, it blew my mind. Oh, this is, this is totally becoming that nineties podcast. <laughs> it really is. So I think that actually that Joe, that's probably a good transition to the content we've been threatening all along. Oh, okay. We, yeah, just because context, we have gone way too long without talking yeah, about that. Just for context, so, <laughs> do you want, okay, go ahead. I, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say the other day, and by the other day, I think it literally might've been just been yesterday. I uh, just tweeted out and said, you know, for our year end wrap up, you know, ask the host anything, you know, normal disclaimer that just because you ask us doesn't mean we'll answer it. And we basically got one question and um, <laughs> it was, yeah, from Josh Zimmerman from the Jubberwocky, who, in fact, it wasn't addressed to all of us. It was specifically addressed to Joe, which is what's the best episode of Babylon 5? All right. How much time do we have? <laughs> this this comes from a this comes from uh the first year of DevOps Days Madison, um, which was twenty um twenty sixteen, I think was the first year of DevOps Days Madison. Yes, the right. year the Cubs won. Yeah. Ah. Christian, uh my 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 good friend from college, Christian Harrow, who is now a a, a DevOps Days a DevOps Days Chicago organizer. Um, was living in Madison at the time, and he and Josh were organizing were organizing Madison, and they came up short a uh, ignite talk. And Christian Christian contacted me and says, "Can you give an ignite talk?" And I'm like, "Does it have to be about tech? Because I don't work in tech." <laughs> and he was like, "No, it can be about anything." So I gave an ignite talk about about the most influential TV show no one had ever heard of, which was Babylon Five. So that's that's where this comes from. I and I'm sure I think they put all those talks online and I'm sure you can go to Madison. I just looked if if they do have a video of it it's not on the DevOps Days webpage cuz I I did find the page for your talk but all it has is the title and your bio. But we'll do a little digging so well, go to the show notes if it's not there Actually, go on Twitter and yell at the Juberwocky cuz it's literally his fault. Or more, no or no Christian. no it's it's Christ, It's Christian's fault oh, okay. because Christian was but responsible then, for recording the talks. All the more reason it. that you should go and yell at Josh. <laughs> so, okay, so, moving it along. So, anyway, so that that's where this question comes from. Uh, uh, Christian and well, I watched Babylon Five with Christian because we went to college together, and Josh knows that I'm that I'm into Babylon Five. So, how many people here are familiar with the show, the best show of the nine TV show of the nineties, Babylon Five? Okay, excellent. So um, I will tell you. I had not watched it until that talk. So after that talk, I went and downloaded, I I mean, recovered. I had a backup of files from the internet 
mm-hmm. I wasn't pirating. I was just mm-hmm. yeah. making another archive. But yes, you introduced me to that show from that talk. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm, f- I'm familiar with it in that I know that it exists, and I'm pretty sure Walter Koenig is in it. Walter Walter right. Koenig was it's is is a a very a very prominent recurring character. Anyway, basically the 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 TLDR it's it's Deep Space Nine but good. Wait, so, <laughs> I, I, will, I will I will Whoa. fight you I will fight you on, on that. I now have a mission. I'm gonna watch ba- I'm gonna watch <laughs> Babylon Five okay. and explain why Deep Space Nine I'm is a, better. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish, but. <laughs> okay, I will explain to you why Joe said that. He said that because let's let's explain it by explaining possibly the worst interview question I've ever been asked. And I shit you not, this was at a startup um, years ago, and the the interview was like my second round interview, and the interviewer asked me one question. He said, "Star Wars or Star Trek? Show your work." And of course, that's ridiculous gatekeeping and whatever, but I did get the job. And my answer to that question was neither the correct answer is Babylon 5. Because Star, he said, which is the best sci-fi? You know, justify it. I said, Star Wars is not sci-fi. It is fantasy. It is Campbellian myth. And Star Trek is a utopian future. And in Babylon 5, when... um they have a you know space rebellion and um people are no longer getting paid because they rebelled against their government uh they get locked out of their offices because they're not paying their rent uh the dock workers on the spaceship go on strike for better working conditions (laughs) like babylon 5 has a very real future i love the star trek uh optimism and babylon 5 is i think the the universe we could actually turn into it's a it, it has it's a real world until it isn't and we'll get to that um but anyway so christian also christian then followed up on twitter and said the obvious answer is is the episode severed dreams which he is correct that that is probably the single the single best episode produced it's mid season three um, and it is, it is the, it is probably the best single episode, but, but I'm sitting here looking at this list going, this is full of spoilers. You can't say anything about any of these good episodes. What you can talk about is the bad episodes. Cause that's not horrible spoilers. You cannot say all this stuff. I'm looking at this and thinking, no, no, no. We want people to watch this show. Well, many, gonna... many, many great show, many great episodes. Anyway. So basically what I, what I did, what I did to one up Christian's obvious, obvious trolling was I did the best episode from every season. But you can't explain and now, why. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to go deep into these, but get your 30 just, seconds so skip I, buttons ready. I can show Christian that not only oh, could I are you pick the edit one this episode. Part out? No, I'm going to just give it as a special <clears throat> edition to Christian. Anyway, <laughs> really quick. The five best episodes of Babylon 5, one from each season. Season one, episode three, Born of the Purple, which is a great Londo Malari episode. It's very early in the run when it was, when all those episodes were super clunky, but that one stands out because it's a great Londo Malari episode and he's one of the best characters on that show. Season two, episode 20, The Long Twilight Struggle. It is a very, the thing about Babylon 5 is it has an, the, and what makes it an influential show is it was one of the very first shows that I was aware of that had an overarching plot. It wasn't, 
where Star Trek at the time was very episodic. Aside from a two-parter here and there, you know, Best of Both Worlds was a was a, a big, you know, a big plotty chunk of Star Trek. The Clay of a War, they had they had episodes that they would come back to. But Babylon 5 told one overarching story over the course of of five seasons. And uh season two, episode 20 is a is a very plot heavy episode in that in that run and also a great uh, a great Lando Jakar episode Lando Malari Jakar yes Matt just a, a point of point of order about overarch being the first show to do overarching season wide thing what year was season 2 of Babylon 5 that would have been 1994 ooh so it's like right uh, around X-Files because X-Files X-Files is kind of known but for doing X-Files, that, which they did on accident because they had to write around Gillian Anderson's pregnancy, which made them actually have to write a myth arc. So I would put, anyway. I would put what X-Files was doing much more in the vein of what Trek was doing. They would do uh, they would do an arc. They would do, you know, a three or four, like a two or three episode story, usually around the season premiere or the season finale. And they would come back to the they would come back to the uh, the the bullshit conspiracy uh, uh, plot that turned out to be nothing. And now that I'm deep into season nine, I can say that plot came out to be nothing. But yeah, they That's were the they worst. were toying with it. They were toying with it. But Babylon Five really committed to the whole single overarching story. The thing I noticed <clears throat> is like they would not Babylon Five, but other shows before that they would have a a a running current like story arc inside of a larger story arc. So even if you weren't following the full series, you could watch this episode with the cigarette smoking man, still enjoy the episode within that context. And then, you know, just sort of leave out that, you know, 10 minutes that you might have of the overarching story. So um, I'm giving you credit so far, but I'm still on you for this DS9 comment. So I'm listening. <laughs> um, uh, Long Twilight Struggle also has one of the best. Uh, this was Balon 5 was also a very early user of, of uh, CGI. And this is one of the best effect shots that they ever did in the entire, the entire five year run of the show. Um, I'm not going to, it's sort of spoily. So I'm not going to talk about it. CGI's or. I don't, what, I don't know what they farms. use. I don't know. They had. I, I don't know what they use. About what they used. But a very early, a very early user, heavy user of CGI. Anyway, uh, season three, episode twenty, and the rock cried out in a hiding place. Another very, very plot. We're getting into the the chunk, the part of the show where it's all very plot heavy episodes, but. More good Lando Jakar in that episode. Those are the two best characters on the show. We should be clear that when he says Lando <clears throat> slash Jakar, he does not actually mean the romantic pairing Lando and Jakar, though that would be great too. <laughs> he means the interactions between these two antagonists and later friends. Yes. Um, season four, episode 14, Moments of Transition. Another another big plotty episode. This is a good, this is one of the few good Delenn episodes. I was never a particularly big fan of, of Delenn as a character. Um, this is also a good episode for for a a recurring character Nerun. He hasn't he's awesome in this episode. And then season five, episode eight, Day of the Dead. It's the only good episode of season five. This show ran into major production issues at the end of season four, and season five was kind of was sketchy, very very sketchy. So am I gonna? <clears throat> so am I, like, how am I doing am I so wrap, far? Am I wrapped up at the end of season five though, or is it like? Season five is oh, over yeah. and now. Oh, I you are, you are totally, you are totally, you. Oh no, you well, don't have to read the books. The, there the, are some books, but you don't have to read them. The problem, the, 
the production issues that they ran into was uh, their their production company decided at the that in season four they found out that they were canceled, so they hurried up and they rushed through. They wrapped uh, the storyline sooner than they should have. Yes, and then they got they got rescued by TNT. So season five happened on TNT. So they had to figure out how they because they had already shot all of the all the plot stuff for the entire run of the show in season four. They wrapped everything up. And then they needed to figure out what to do with season five and season five is kind of a, I mean, they, of a there was some good falling action, but like you can't stretch falling action out over an entire season. 22 episodes. So <laughs> what they ended up having in season five was um, what we uh, not so finally referred to as the telegraphs. We'll get there because <laughs> nice transition. Thank you for the segue. I also put together uh, the five worst episodes of Babylon five from Every season. And I'll go through really quick. Uh, season one, episode 10, Believers. Uh, this is basically Christian scientists in space. Um, I could have chosen uh, TKO, which is Bloodsport in space. And or the episode Infection, which has one of the wor- all time worst line readings in the history of, of TV. It looked like this. It was the captain. And this is my spoiler that I will give everyone. Blink, blink, blink. He took a pretty bad hit. And you're no. like, what? Um, basically, if you watch Babylon 5, this is a very important public service message, and you hate the captain and you think I cannot watch five seasons of this Joker, don't worry. He is not the captain after season one. They fix that. They fix that. And so you can <clears throat> just look around the wooden acting of that that no. actor. And I pick I pick believers because it's super preachy and that episode has a very it's got a it's got a pedigree to it. It was written by David Gerald, who was who was a, a well-known sci-fi author, wrote the uh, Tribbles episode of Original Recipe Trek. Um, so it's very it's surprising to me that this episode was just horrible. Um Season two, episode 18, Confessions and Lamentations. Um, this is a deadly plague threatens one of the one of the major races. This is also another week episode for the ship's doctor, Dr. Franklin. Um, what other notes do I have? Oh. Also a deadly plague. Come on, read the room, B5. Um, <laughs> season, no three, wants that. season three, episode 18. Uh, this is an episode called Walkabout. Um, this one's prominent because one of the one of the actresses in in this episode uh, plays Wallace's mom on Veronica Mars. Um, but this one, she plays a a torch singer in a uh, in a uh, club on in down below on Babylon Five. They have this whole. I don't think the space station should have had like jazz clubs with singing. Uh, it's just strange. Yeah, the songs were written by series creator J. Michael Straczynski. Say what you will about him, he cannot write songs. Um, they are they are. Truly wretched. You should just watch Babylon 5 <coughs> instead of that episode. Uh, season 4, episode 10, Racing Mars. This is this is two of my least favorite characters in an episode together. This is Marcus and Dr. And Franklin. See, I wholeheartedly disagree because I feel like there was a bunch of stuff in season 4 that was exciting, but also just like explosion after explosion after explosion. And this was a very character-driven episode where you kind of had the odd couple going and like being on an adventure together out of their usual milieu. I like that. So Nope. He just um, doesn't like Marcus. I could have gone with the honorable mention of Deconstruction of Falling Stars, which is their their swap in season finale. I love that episode because they it's because basically canonical for Leibowitz, but in space. They filmed the series finale that was supposed to be the end of season four, but then when they got rescued by TNT, they had to swap in another episode, and 
deconstructions of falling stars. Otherwise a very fine episode would have been great in season one or season two. doesn't really work as the finale of a pretty plot heavy season of TV. And we get to a season five, episode 11 Phoenix rising. This is the fucking telegoths. So, so they had a very minor plot line that probably should have taken two episodes to wrap up about a bunch of, it was half the season, a bunch of like, um, very, uh, beautifully uh, conditioned hair, like goths that took up residence on the uh, the space station and were like telepathic and, you know, dramatic and wore black all the time. And it was just like, it it would have been a fine, like two episode arc. And it went on for like 10 episodes. And this is where it's a real, it's a real world until it's not earlier in the, earlier in the show, you see the, you see the captain of the, of the station going over oxygen consumption logs where oxygen consumption is the thing they pay attention to. And then you get to the telegos in season five and, full of candles. and they're, they're in their, they're in their quarters and they have all these lit candles. And we're like, like wouldn't that be flaking a whole bunch of alarms? Yeah. You can't have, did your oxygen consumption logs like go offline a few seasons later? I don't Yeah. Anyway, to wrap, to wrap up this thing that has gone on far too long. Babylon five is a very fine show, except when it's not. I'm not a crackpot. If you, the other news of this is that apparently we are pivoting Arrested DevOps to now be a '90s sci-fi themed show. So watch for new. Wait till we get to things. our. Uh, wait till we get to our episode about the worst episodes of Voyager. When we talk about that creepy episode with Paris and Janeway. If you would you like to hear more them? about the worst episodes of Star Trek Voyager, tune in to the 2021 year-end wrap-up show. <laughs> we can we can talk about we can talk about time tracks. We can talk about about that like that Night Rider 2055 or whatever that was. We can talk what about, about the Lost in Space movie, the one with the Gary Oldman from the yeah yeah. We could talk about all the all the things Chris Carter tried to do that weren't X Files harsh realm and all the things that Fox tried to try to fill in to like lead into the X-Files like VR five and sliders. And I have a question. Why did we move away from these vehicle themed shows? Right? Like remember for like a long Airwolf? time, there were all these, yeah, Airwolf, <laughs> Knight Rider, Street uh, Hawk, Street Hawk. There were Hardcastle and McCormick. Shows. Who remembers Hardcastle and McCormick? Th- there was Riptide. They had a boat. Oh, Riptide. They and had a, heli- a robot. They had an orange robot. They had a robot. boat and a helicopter. Power no. Rangers were big then, too. Yeah. Magnum P.I. even, when you think about it, right? Oh, like, yeah. That car was definitely a character in the show. I thought it was A-team more had their A-team had their bitchin' van. So there need yeah. to be more vehicles-oriented shows. So Hollywood. And there was that. that listen to there, was that, uh, that. there was that uh, post-apocalyptic show. Uh, with the with the the energizer uh, the energizer the Australian dude that used to they used to appear in energizer commercials where it's post apocalyptic and they have this like really cool post apocalyptic sort of like Mad Max sort of vehicle that they travel around in I can't remember the I can't remember the uh, the I'll name of the show <laughs> if you think about it Jacko was the Jacko was the name of the was the name of the actor he appeared in a bunch of energizer commercials does the show count if it bridges the like the 70s 80s 90s and thousands and i'm not talking about doctor who <laughs> is the tardis really a vehicle <laughs> red dwarf oh uh, but that's like i don't i don't want to say that was vehicle driven 
Not not the way that like you know Airwolf. Not was. the way Air. Yeah, Air. The whole <laughs> Blue Thunder. They tried to do a. They tried to do a TV version of uh of uh Blue Thunder. So what I'm yeah I anyway have, I have not watched almost any of these shows, but what I can tell all of you is we do pretty well in pub trivia or now online pub trivia because he remembers shows that he hasn't even seen. He'll like see a picture of the actor and he'll be like, Oh, that was that character's name in this show that I, I haven't watched it. And I'm like, how does this happen? <laughs> Should we wrap this Jessica, up for the two people that are still listening? And those two people, those two people are Josh Zimmerman and Christian Harrow, just so we're clear <laughs> at this point. I don't we, know. But before we wrap it up, I do want to ask it. Jessica. I want to ask yeah. Jessica because she, like me, was sitting there going, whatever, to all of the vehicle themed TV shows. Vehicles just, I um, remember Knight Rider. Yeah. Like when you look back at, say, your TV shows of the 90s or et cetera, which ones stand out for you? I was a huge Star Trek Next, Next Generation fan, which is mostly 80s, but still, that was the big one um, that I remember. What about it's you? Technically, I think it's technically more 90s than 80s. I think it's just, it started in 87 and was seven seasons. Yeah, I, I was like, I remember getting in trouble in choir in seventh grade for reading Star Trek books while the other parts were singing. So no joke. I literally just bought more Star Trek books the other day. I just bought um, Trekonomics and um, it's a, I forget the title of the second book, but it's about uh, a pre postmodern scarcity, a pre post scarcity society. uh, And it kind of uses the post scarcity. That is that is definitely no joke, Trevor, because jokes are funny, and that was just concerning <laughs> just and confused. sad. <laughs> Explain to me pre-post scarcity. So it's the transition period between being a like a like where we are today in a capitalistic society and the future where you are post scarcity, where like you, there are resource oh, constraints are different. So this is the thing that that's the the missing Rosetta Stone that like explains or the missing link that explains exactly how we get from reality to truck universe. Right. It's and it's like it talks about like what do we do in this world where automation continues to grow and the amount of like the amount of work that is required to support the society is only only requires 10% of the population to actually deliver the the resources that the rest of the population needs and so, so it's at like that when point, cars when cars came along and got popular and then they had all these horses they were nicer to those horses than we are to people i feel like this is our our pivot back to a yeah. devops topic so what does our pre-post scarcity technological transformation and transition look like and that's the end of the time, episode. So we can't solve global problems. Right <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeff wrote you a can book. Make new right? problems. <laughs> yeah, sure book has answers for It's in the book, chapter seven. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I, I did, I did look it up. The episode, the series I was thinking of was the Highwayman. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, Highwayman. The Highwayman. Yes. That's okay. Because at first I thought you said the High Women, and that. No, no, no. The High, the Highwayman. <laughs> That's a different show. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Are we are we wrapping? Or are we I think I think we I think we should. I think we've well, indulged well, ourselves. We had, a, we, had a, we had a planned discussion of things we're looking forward to in 2021. Yeah. But I think everyone's looking forward Post-scarcity. to what I'm looking forward to. 
which is the part where um, I get two shots that are spaced a few weeks apart. I'm really excited about that. I think what it boils down to is you could summarize it this way. We had a section that was us talking about what we're looking forward to in 2021, and it's an empty dock. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. Uh, no, no, I know. not quite that bad. I actually do want to go back Trevor to the to... boat and the storm thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I want Trevor to tell us about the fun thing. Take us out on a on a positive note of the fun, some fun things from 2020 because you you had a few. Okay, I'll start with my I'll start with my my one benefit of 2021, and this is the first time diabetes has come in handy. I will get to get a vaccine <laughs> sooner. <laughs> always looking um, for that silver lining right you gotta have you gotta, you gotta stay positive and with that so i uh i i had to thank myself this year for having a bunch of projects that i've started over the years and not finished like various model kits and like stories and games and things of that nature um i have gotten through some of them. I have uh, I have a nice Battlestar Galactica, which we didn't get to talk about um, in our in our review. Ooh. That that needs a second coat of paint and some detail. Um, Take a picture of that and put it in the show notes, Trevor, because nobody saw it that you just held up for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't think I referenced holding it up, but I, maybe I did, and I just have no memory. But no, no, also, you didn't. I meant that okay. everybody we missed said, it, and I want them to. We, okay. No, no, that wasn't like a shot at you for not <laughs> doing that. I was saying we all got to see it, but the listeners didn't. So you should share it. That's all. It was I, yes I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure that I, I like. I could totally have imagined myself saying, "And look, here's the model I have in my hand, and I'm showing all of you right now in exquisite detail." <laughs> This gives me this gives me motivation to finish painting it this weekend. <laughs> um, also, I uh, I uh, got to playing Among Us, which I think oh. a lot of people have gotten to play at yeah. this point, um, and had uh, much much fun with being socially distant with friends. Um, and most also of my being suspicious, most of my Among Us play is actually with my kids and their friends. And it's very amusing because it will be like nine, 10 year olds and a 46 year old man playing among. And, you know, it, I mean, it's fine. You can win? play the game. Do you but win? Do they win? How does this work? It, it, <laughs> it's, it's also like, I don't actually want to have the, cause they all want to play on voice, like on their, their kid messenger kids thing or whatever. And it would say, so I just sort of listen to what they're, what they're having the conversation. They're also, my kids are very bad about like not talking when they're not supposed to talk during among us. You oh, know. my kids are different. My kids yeah, are super no. strict about it. Oh. Now and well, then no, they're, they're, they let they're... me play. They're like, all right, mom, we could use another player. You yeah. can play if you want. It's pretty great, oh. though. We're, we're on Discord with them. And I want to add a couple of plugs for really positive things. We have done a ton of Hunt a Killer this year. It is puzzle, like murder mm-hmm. mystery in the box game stuff. Um, they vary in quality especially because the Hunter Killer folks, I think, acquired a couple of other companies along the way. So some of them are better than others, but they're generally very, very fun. We'll put a link in the show notes. And then also we've played a lot of online trivia um, run by Trivia Mafia, who ran the pub trivia we used to go to in person. We've been playing a lot more this year than we have for the last several years. I mean, even Modulo Travel, but like we play almost every week now. And even when we weren't traveling all the time, we didn't play every week. And now we do. And it's a thing we do to get together with friends, basically, is play trivia online. 
they run it on they run on Twitch, they run it on YouTube, they do they do stuff on Zoom. It basically they have they have a trivia game pretty much every night of the week if you're if you're so inclined. That's awesome. We've been doing a ton of we've got like three Dungeons and Dragons campaigns running right now. <laughs> got that rhyme of the frost maiden going. How is that? You enjoying it? Oh, I'm loving it. Uh, it's 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 a really dark story. <laughs> we just before that, in the beginning of the pandemic, we did Descent into Avernus. That was fun too. And on that note, I'll hand it over to Matt to uh to wrap us up. Take us out. So head over to arresteddevops.com slash twenty twenty in review for this episode's show notes, which apparently will be copious because we have lots of links of things more so than usual. So check them out. You can listen to us on Spotify. We actually, a lot of you are listening to us on Spotify, which I'm finding interesting when I'm looking at our statistics. So cool. Keep doing that for, I don't know, some reason. Uh, apparently people can listen to us on iHeartRadio, but I have no way of knowing if you do or you don't. If you do listen to us on iHeartRadio, shoot us a tweet because I'm curious. It doesn't really matter. On that note, I'm Joe at Joe Lehe. I'm Bridget at Bridget Crumhout. I'm Trevor at Trevor G. Hess. I'm Jessica at Jessitron. I'm Jeff at Dark and Nerdy. And I'm Matt at Matt Stratton. We're Arrested DevOps. And remember, there's always DevOps in the banana stand. Banana stand. A potentially dangerous alien technology was smuggled aboard this station. Now, until I hear otherwise, I intend to hold you personally responsible. Is that clear? Yes, 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 it is. Uh, is there any news of Stephen's condition? They're checking him out over at MedLab 4. He took a pretty bad hit.